So welcome back to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. This is where we connect with advocates in the disability community, help tell their stories, raise disability awareness, and be a supporter and advocate for them as well. Uh, For those who don't know about DDA, we are a community living agency that serves Vancouver and Richmond. Uh, We support roughly 2,000 clients with developmental disabilities and their families and have been doing so since about 1952. In fact, this is our 70th anniversary year. So as we head into summer 2022, we've just passed the first sort of hot weekend, I guess. You remember last year when over 600 people in BC died as a result of the heat dome that settled over the province in early July. The unprecedented unprecedented rather, weather system showed a lot of vulnerabilities in how the province operates and transmits crucial information to better protect those who can't easily protect themselves. So that, of course, includes people we look after at DDA. Uh, Many people with uh, developmental disabilities, such as Down syndrome, uh, can leave people unable to regulate their own body heat. So protecting them becomes very important. And sometimes with people uh, with disabilities or even mental health conditions, can't properly communicate uh, if something is wrong. So that becomes very problematic. Uh, So today we are joined by Jeannie Hansen. Last year, she lost her sister, uh, Tracy McKinley, who suffered from schizophrenia to the extreme heat and is now advocating for change, for better education and compassion for the most vulnerable people in society when it comes to weather. So welcome to our podcast, Jeannie. Thank you. It's very nice to have you here right from the start. uh, Condolences uh, for the loss of your sister, Tracy, who you said just now that today is the anniversary. Today is the one-year anniversary. Thank you for your condolences that's that's you know that's very very uh, difficult to to take of course and we really appreciate you being here um so tell us a little bit about what your sister was like gosh what wasn't she like she was a pretty awesome sister uh she did have uh schizophrenia which caused her to have lots of different issues over the years but she always did it with kindness and humor very very witty humor and uh, love for everybody and anyone so she was a very kind soul who everybody in new westminster where she lived knew her it didn't matter what we were doing where we were going if we were shopping or out for lunch or just walking around and going to timmy's for a double double everybody knew tracy everybody had nice things to say to her and about her her illness, uh, schizophrenia, um, did that limit what she could do in terms of employment and like, how did she function in her own life? In that, with that yes, respect? she did live on her own. She did have support, of course, from family and as well as the the SIL program, the semi-independent living program and mental health in New Westminster. Um, but the stresses of everyday life that we just face normally, she couldn't handle. So she didn't have a nine-to-five job or any job really and um, but she did function well in her life that she did live on her own. Now you said early uh, in another news uh, piece that the medication she took to battle her mental illness uh, damaged her kidneys which the heat exacerbated which ultimately led to her death. How do we as a society inform ourselves that this could even be a risk like that might for, for people that might not even enter their consciousness is something you need to consider. Well, we certainly didn't have a clue that it would have the effect as quickly and as damaging as it did. Um, we knew she had issues with her kidneys. We would always go with doctor appointments and stuff like that. So we were very well involved with 
her overall health as well as her mental health. Um, her kidney function was anywhere between 15 and 20% and had been for quite a few years. So they were doing things to kind of get her ready to the possibility of ever having to have dialysis, but she wasn't close to that yet. Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know now, um, not really realizing that all these different things can make things worse for people more susceptible for people with the heat Uh, not just kidney but liver damage um, high blood pressure certain medications that you're on can make you more susceptible antihistamines for example we were talking about allergies coming in and that can make you not feel the heat Um, make things worse for you antidepressants antipsychotics certain antibiotics there's lots of different medications that you should be aware can lead to you having difficulty with realizing what the heat is doing to you. You don't have to have a lot of damage to your body in order for these things to make a difference, but, and I'm certainly not saying don't take those medications, Mm -hmm, they serve their purposes, (laughs) but uh, certainly speak to your doctors and that sort of thing about seeing how the heat can affect you. Yeah, and, and she, no, she, you mentioned she said she lived with an uh, assisted living. Not uh, assisted living. Not no. assisted living? No, no. She lived on her own, um, but she did have uh, a group that helped her with living on her own, it was semi independent living. So she would be, you know, taken out and shown how to shop for herself and different things like that. Right. So, so there was someone sort of checking on her yeah, in a way? Yeah. Yeah. And so that. There was nothing, there's no red flag or anything like that at that point in your mind to, to say that that wasn't enough to, to, to protect people like this from the heat or is it, things seemed normal and was this, I guess, I guess it would, was it a, kind of a surprise to you? Very much so. And it was to everybody involved with Tracy as well. There, there is no one entity, one group, one person, the government, paramedics, corner, anybody to blame in all this. It's either all or none. We need to take responsibility for ourselves, and if we can't, then there's uh, the people that do caretake for us, our loved ones, our family members, uh, the people if we are in any sort of program where we are being watched, even people who do live in homes that are um, have caretakers and that there. We didn't know. We mm-hmm. didn't realize how bad it was. We didn't realize that it, it would be... You know, it just never crossed our minds. My other sister, Jane, and I, we would call Tracy and check in on her, and she'd always, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And even the people that lived in the building where she lived, it's a nonprofit-run building, and they were doing their damnedest to go around and knock on doors morning, afternoon, evening, checking on everybody to see how they're doing. And they didn't know, and they're not to blame either, but they have the guilt associated with mm-hmm. it too nobody truly knows exactly what's going on inside the body and if someone doesn't have the ability to say hey i'm feeling this way or whatever you know sometimes these symptoms of heat exhaustion and heat stroke can be just ignored or mistaken for some issue that they might have physically already or they just don't know to communicate how they're feeling yeah that's that's obviously the biggest sort of the biggest piece there so um it's clear you don't believe assigning blame is is productive of course but where do you think we need to be directing our energy instead um well i sat back for the last year and just kind of thought of different things but was waiting to see what would come up out of this report from the coroner's office what the government might want to do 
uh, no point in reinventing the wheel if there's things that are going to be put into place. Um, but there's a lot of gaps in what's come out that need to be filled. Um, a lot of it is just awareness and um, trying to figure out different ways to fill those gaps. And sometimes there's not enough funding, there's not enough time, there's not enough people, there's not enough for the government to do. Um, so it's kind of up to us to take some personal responsibility to try and fill those gaps and that's what I'm trying to do. And uh, uh, you, you're creating sort of, I guess I've got a Facebook page up and what else are you doing to try and raise awareness to get people motivated to sort of, you know, maybe look out for each other a little better? Well, a lot of things like this, media, we've done some reports, some print, some um, news reports, um, the Facebook page, email, anybody can reach out and say, hey, what can I do? Can I donate a fan? Can I... I work for an air, com uh, air conditioning company and I want to see about what we can do to help or um, just it doesn't have to be money it doesn't have to be anything like that if you don't have those maybe you live in a building that is a little bit older that doesn't have central AC or anything like that and maybe you can volunteer to coordinate door knockers in your building to just go and check on people. It can be something as simple as just putting a sign-up sheet down in your lobby that anybody can sign up for and say they either want to be a volunteer to help knock on doors or they want to be put on a list to make sure that someone comes check in on them. Mm -hmm. Now you do have a Facebook page. Do you have the, the handle for that? Uh, it's Tracy's Legacy, T-R-A-C-E-Y-S-L-E-G-A-C-Y. It is a Facebook group and there is a Facebook page and they'll direct to each other. Now, what what, is, what can people find on this Facebook page? Uh, just information. Um, they can reach out through the Facebook page if they need some assistance, if they need some direction as to where to go, um, what to do, uh, awareness things. We do posts about simple things that people can do for themselves and for their loved ones to help um, stave off the heat, to keep their core temperatures down doesn't have to be 40 degrees outside just as no. much as 30 32 and you can start having some issues with heat exhaustion which then can lead to heat stroke and possibly death um, it, it uh, doesn't have to be air conditioning units in every building uh, sometimes that's not possible I know no. a lot of people will say things about oh we need the government needs to give everybody an air conditioning unit well you know it's there's older buildings that can't support it electrically there's issues with people not understanding how to run it there's people that are afraid that they run it that now their heating bill is or their electricity bill is going to go up too high and they can't afford to pay it um, there's certain issues with people who do have those but aren't allowed to use them by their either their strata or the building manager because it ruins the aesthetics of the building outside so they don't want to have those so there's certain rules and things that could be advocated for to make some changes to make sure people are able to cool down their buildings mm -hmm. just because the temperature cools down outside at night some of these buildings will keep retaining it like a convection oven yeah wow well, um so there i mean certainly there's lots of bylaws or, or whatever rules or strata rules things can can be put in place but to me it just seems like you know, we all have we all have relatives. We all have older people in our lives. We all have people with disabilities in our lives. I mean, twenty five percent of the country say they have a disability. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got people, you know, with mental illness issues. 
it seems to me we really as a society have to be just more aware of these people in our lives absolutely and, and, and be think, more compassionate yeah and and the awareness is the biggest thing right now um, everybody is aware of what happened last year and and it's to keep the awareness going that you know this issue with temperatures getting hotter and that sort of thing is not going away um, and just making sure that you know the first thing we should be doing is making a plan making a plan for ourselves making a plan for our loved ones making a plan for clients and that sort of thing to know okay this is the steps we need to take this is how we need to build the information to get to people that's easy to follow uh, things that are easy to do and inexpensive to do to help them keep cooler and have that plan ready so that when things do start heating up they can start enacting some of those plans you know the government has um put in a new BC heat alert and response system. Any thoughts on that? Like, I'll just not give it the uh, the old list here. The number one is they want a coordinated provincial heat alert response system. I'm not sure what that is necessarily going to entail. Um, second, I know they want to put out some sort of warning system that yeah. kind of beeps on our cell phones and stuff like that. If there is an extreme heat advisory, that's mm -hmm. great for someone like me mm -hmm. that might not be paying attention to the heat and might not be feeling the effects of it that I can go, oh, okay, hey, we've got this plan. We need to start enacting it. But there's a lot of people like Tracy didn't have a cell phone. Yeah. She didn't go on the computer. Um, she didn't have any, didn't really watch the news. So she wouldn't have really benefited from that and there's a lot of other people that wouldn't either absolutely lots of the a lot of our seniors don't have the new no. latest tech stuff so that becomes the communication gap how do we get that information to them and ensure that they're not that they're actually using that information and, and protecting themselves and are we're helping that's protect where them. the the kind of uh, a care watch i just kind mm -hmm. of dubbed it instead of a block watch a care watch where mm -hmm. if you set something up in your building that you can then go around and slip things under the door or put them in the mailboxes or something to let people know hey this is what's coming and uh, the warning's out and if you need any assistance or whatever then let us know mm -hmm. now like i was just going through that list so the number one was a coordinated provincial heat alert response system number two ensuring vulnerable populations are identified and supported during extreme events again like that sort of care watch you're talking mm -hmm. about and that that is the a care watch is not a government program that's just no. something that's we're talking just about the name that came head, up right? the top of the head yeah uh, and number three is implement extreme heat prevention and long-term risk mitiga mitigation strategies and that might who knows what that might involve might be bigger bigger picture like um, I think that's what they were meaning when they were talking about how they want to change the bylaws so that all buildings built after a certain date have to have central yeah. AC and stuff like that in it. That's going to be great for anything in the future, but it's certainly not going to change anything for the buildings as they are now. Yeah, and that's that's obviously the uh, the key. And 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 again, we like I was how best how can we better address that communication gap between us and those who are more more vulnerable. Um, again, being more aware, like that, that warning will go out to the general population and if you already are aware that there is an effect of heat on your loved one and you have that plan now already planned for and built in as to what you want to do, then that alert that you receive means you enact it. So you're going physically to check on the person. We were just phoning Tracy to check in on her we didn't know how hot it was in her apartment 
it wasn't until we went a few days later to clean it out that we realized, holy smokes, it's like 45 in her apartment. Oh, wow. It was very hot, and we had to keep taking breaks, and and like we're very song, aware. It? it was. It was more like a convection oven. That's what I keep referring to it. Um, the, the building in itself, the ventilation, just the windows weren't large enough. It was large windows. There's no reflection tape or anything like that on the outside of the the building itself to kind of reflect some of that heat away so there's lots of different things that you don't in your mind find building owners or anybody partially responsible or is that something that needs to be addressed no i don't like again i there's nobody to blame it's it's what's happened now we know about it now we know different things that could be done about it and a lot of times it's not until an event like this happens where we really want to kick it into gear and to say, okay, you know, unfortunately these poor 619 confirmed so far mm -hmm. souls have passed away because of this heat. Now we're aware of it. Now we need to take the steps to do something about it. A lot of these buildings where these folks live are nonprofit buildings. You know, they don't necessarily get the government funding. There are different um, funds and that, that are out there that people could apply for, different grants and that. They're just not aware of it. Mm -hmm. So now they're starting to learn that they're aware of it and can make the applications to get that funding, to, to put the film on the windows, to, to put cooling centers in the buildings themselves where these people live. The cooling centers are awesome. That's part of the plan for the province to have mm -hmm. more cooling centers available. Um, but there's not necessarily, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people who will uh, leave their apartment building to go. There's social anxiety. They aren't aware of it. They don't know how to get there. They don't want to go out in the heat to go get it, to, to go to the cooling center. They don't know that there are places they could call to get rides there. But even that can have an issue because there was some issues reported to me about companies and that that would be supporting people to give them rides to the cooling centers but couldn't necessarily pick them up or weren't the whoever answered the phone wasn't aware of it that sort of thing so there's a few different tweaks and things that need to be worked out and that's going to take reporting from a lot of people who are actually trying to use those services and have issues to yeah, report I back and it, I mean, the the, uh, the cooling centers are, are nice, but you can't stay there for 24 hours a day. No, you either, can't. You know? and, and I'd like to see more uh, buildings have the cooling centers built in, either in their lobby, have a little area that's set up to have some portable air conditioning units that can be put down there so people can go down and get some respite from the heat. And then that's a good opportunity to then also have some things up that people can read about to learn about what to do personally for themselves if they're able to have a cold shower have a cold bath mm -hmm. um, put on a long sleeved cotton t-shirt that's been soaked in some cold water um, wear that to cool down have some spray bottles with some water i just learned something interesting yesterday and it was peppermint tea oh somebody told me if you make peppermint tea and i've been looking into it um put it in the fridge cool it you can drink it as well as spray it on yourself in a spray bottle or put it in the t-shirt and and wear that the the peppermint will help cool you down which then can help cool down your core temp so lots of different things that that can be done easily and inexpensively for people and that are easy to follow but the cooling centers being where they're at having misters set up outside so they can go and cool down there too 
uh, fans, industrial fans in the hallways to encourage more airflow throughout the building. Making sure that the building has their inspections and that done to their ventilation systems to make sure that they are operating as they should. Mm -hmm. Even have sections created down in underground parking and that if they have it so people can go downstairs and sit and relax and even if they had to it could have a cot or so down there that they can sleep in and one of the main issues though is like your sister said she was fine yeah you know uh and that's where i as as a as a group as a society sometimes we have to learn that we can't take some things on face value absolutely can we yeah when I am asked the question, who I'm mad at, who's to blame, you know, it always comes back to me. I didn't personally go and check my sister's apartment. I didn't realize how hot it became in her little bachelor apartment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that when she was saying she was okay, she wasn't. And that is the biggest regret. Yeah, I have I, an app that, that I didn't personally go. So the people mm -hmm. I talk to, don't just phone them. Go, physically yeah. go and see what things are like for them. And if part of that means that you then take them out of that and bring them home where they can be watched and be cooled down and be monitored, then please do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some some interesting things about actually um, heat stroke and heat, heat exhaustion. We have this little list here. Um, that's supplied by one of the uh, CDCs. Um, the heat stroke, I thought was interesting. If you're suffering from heat stroke, you've got a high body temperature around 38 degrees or over, uh, hot red skin, fast, strong pulse, headache, dizziness, nausea, confusion. Um, you could pass out at this point when you've got just heat stroke, and that's different from heat exhaustion. But one of the things that's, that I, thought, I found was counterintuitive was don't give the person anything to drink. You know, it's one of those things where people, if you just assume, oh, give them a cold glass of water or something like that. Well, in this case, they're saying, don't do that. Call 911 right away. When, well, with the dehydration, because there's the first dehydration, then there's heat exhaustion, then there's heat stroke, and then there's mm -hmm. death. So with the, the dehydration, if you're already feeling thirsty, you're already dehydrated, pure and simple. Mm -hmm. um, when you get to heat exhaustion, it, it's the body temperature goes up you you get red you can feel nauseous you can have all these dizziness symptoms you can have a lot of symptoms that sometimes mimic what they feel like all the time already anyway depending on what their health issues are um or they're just not realizing it um once you move into the the heat stroke well then that's when you need more medical intervention and mm -hmm. um emergency situation to go to the hospital and call 911 that sort of thing it can it can cause you to dehydrate more if you were to give somebody who's already at that stage a lot of fluids because they can actually then it turns into diarrhea and vomiting and mm -hmm. and they can dehydrate even more faster mm -hmm. and, and within heat stroke confusion I mean that's perhaps where some of the miscommunication yeah. comes in um, and and heat exhaustion for for another example here it's the you know their the their skin is going to be cold pale and clammy so you don't mm -hmm. necessarily feel like this person's physically hot no but, but you know if it, if it's hot outside and they're having some of these symptoms and feel cold and clammy and they kind of stop sweating that's when you know you've reached that point that you need medical intervention mm -hmm. caretakers have to watch out for that stuff themselves too 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. DDA is an organization that, um, I mean, we look after. We have numerous group homes where we mm -hmm. look after people 24-7. We were lucky last year that, we, you know, when the heat dome hit, we managed to get all the uh, uh, air conditioners that we needed to keep our house, houses cool because we have people that cannot, like I said earlier on, cannot regulate their body temperature. Yeah. So we were quite fortunate that we sort of kept kept everybody uh, safe. But I mean, at the moment, do you, with with all the changes coming in, do you think the government is 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 going to be doing enough? Do you feel better about where we're going in this direction? The government-run buildings are going to have uh, the funding just given to them. Um, I know I was at a bit of an event out in New West and there was quite a few different groups that were there. There was reps from um, BC Preparedness, there was BC Housing there, there was the Senior Society, there was the New West City, there was the MLA uh, office that was there and we had quite a lot of interesting conversations. But I know BC Housing, they're going to start doing a couple buildings with the film on the outside as kind of like a... A trial to see if that helps and then eventually that will hopefully spread out to all the buildings run by BC housing so there's things like that that have been put into effect for the buildings that are government funded the problem is running into the uh, the nonprofit run buildings buildings mm -hmm. run by the legions and mm -hmm. and that sort of thing where they don't necessarily have that funding to be able to do that um, so hopefully the government will put more money into these grants and make them more readily available. I mean, the government isn't always too <laughs> quick to say, hey, here's some money, apply for it. Yeah, <laughs> You um, have to do some searching for it, but they are out there. So Certainly there's lots of grants for accessibility. We've seen that come down yeah. a, a lot. I mean, I'm not... I'm not sure that you know protecting from the heat falls under accessibility to to a point it does. But can um, would you be able to talk about where people can find these grants to help protect themselves? Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google is your friend. Google is our friend and sometimes <laughs> our worst enemy. But yeah, no, Google it. it there they are out there. I do have some links that are on our Facebook page and our Facebook group, so they can also go on there for information don't have to join up or sign her up or anything like that just go peruse it for the information and uh, there are some grants that they are accepting right now so they can certainly make their applications and deal with their boards and figure out what they want to do but there is some funding out there and then hopefully just over the next little bit building up more and more of a network base to uh, you know have people reach out and, and contact to say hey you know I work for an HVAC company and we want to see what we can do or I work for the company that puts film on windows let's see what we can do uh, or you know I want to make a donation to a building or maybe you're a church that wants to uh, adopt a building of, full of seniors that can give them some stuff to set up for cooling centers to uh, maintain fans and donate fans to organize and help them figure out how to set up the the cooling centers the misting stations the the contacting everybody in the building and get it going there's there's lots of grassroots groups mm -hmm. that are kind of doing things individually i'd like to see everybody who's trying to do the same thing all on the same road so let's communicate to each other and and more voices certainly get 
more attention. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's unfortunate that, I mean, we know that climate change is here. We know, we know there, there are things happening. There are more extreme weather patterns. And yet there's been no indication yet that we're headed towards another heat dome, hopefully not. But, and they said it was like a one in a thousand year event. I hope so. Uh, but it still happened. And, it, and unfortunately, things like this, it's like bad things have to happen in order for us to have a wake-up call as a society. It just seems like we, that's the way humanity operates. Every year people pass away from heat. Of course they do. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's certainly not the the great number that happened in the short amount of time that it did last year. So that's been kind of the aha thing. Yeah. It's always happened, but it's kind of those things that we become used to and it's sort of mm, we don't really remember it or pay attention to it or anything like that till it personally happens in your life and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, wait a minute, what can I do? Where can I go? Well, we certainly appreciate the, the advocacy work you're doing now for, uh, in the name of your sister. It's, it's definitely, definitely worth it. Um, for information, again, her, uh, it's, is it only on the Facebook page? Where you got, is that largely where you're putting stuff? I think eventually we're going to have a website. I just haven't had time to do that just yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all been very sudden that I've kind of been put into this position or forced my way into it. I don't know how else to say it, yeah. but uh, it, it's um, right now it's Facebook and email. So we do have an email set up as well. Uh, Tracy's legacy at gmail.com. So Tracy's legacy at gmail.com. You can reach out uh, to Jeannie and it's Tracy's legacy on Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to Facebook probably Facebook slash Tracy's legacy kind of a URL. Yes, and I think there's a couple of others out there. I think one's like a hen party from England and all this stuff. So you just oh, have to <laughs> make sure you're on the right uh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It'll be Tracy's smiley blue face or blue blue eyed face in her blue T-shirt. That that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Jeannie. We have been talking to uh, Jeannie Hansen about the concerns uh, of, of heat in BC ever since the heat dome hit the province last year and 619 passed away as a, as a result. Her sister Tracy was one of those people, unfortunately. Uh, we've been talking about the, the ways we need to communicate to people to ensure that they're safe to move things forward. So hopefully we can uh, stop this from happening again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much.